0: Welcome to The Step by Pop Sugar, a podcast for and about unstoppable women presented by Sorrel Footwear. I'm author and speaker, Lovia Jai-Jones. Last season, we heard inspiring stories about amazing women who stopped at nothing to achieve their dreams. This season, we're celebrating bold, brilliant women who stand up for what they believe in, fight for the greater good, and help their communities take the next step forward. Join us. After collectively holding our breath for the past few weeks, we all could use a laugh. Egon Wodham is in her third season on SNL. And right now, she's only the seventh Black female cast member in the show's 46 season history.
1: I find it to be an honor, and I, my hope is that the work I do there will make it easier for the Black women who come after me on the show.
0: Through her work on SNL, she is fulfilling one of her lifelong dreams as a comedian and actress. But that's not all. She's hoping to use this platform to amplify the voices of entertainers of color and inspire the next generation with improv. Ego, welcome to the step.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yo, it's, it's just good to be in conversation. You all, you history-making woman. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, I don't, cons- I don't think about it that way. But then hearing you read that, I was like, okay, yes. Yes, And seven okay. is the number
0: of completion.
1: <laughs> I mean, let me tell you something. I started on my 44th. I started on the show's 44th season and my hairdresser texted me to be like, you better go ahead and be the seventh black woman in the 44th <laughs> season, like our 44th president. And I was like, yes. Oh, I like these numbers. I yes. like these numbers. Yes. Yeah, so I feel, I feel fortunate. I feel good. Yeah. So you are born and raised in Baltimore. Yes. Yes. Born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. I did a brief stint in West Virginia, actually, with my mom for two years and then a year in New Jersey. But otherwise, my my entire life until I was an adult was spent in Baltimore.
0: So what is your Baltimore pride about? Like you rep it loudly. Tell us more about why Baltimore makes you geeked up. OK, you heard me. Go,
1: OK, so uh, <laughs> first of Travian. all, first of <laughs> all, um, I would say. The biggest thing, and this is sort of statewide, is I will not eat crab outside of the state of Maryland. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and maybe mm-hmm. you've heard of this. You've maybe heard other Maryland. I'm married talk to a about. Maryland man, so you yeah. Okay, so you get it. You know, you understand. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it to myself. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. I also gotta say, I mean, come on, the wire. A fantastic show. I mean, <laughs> uh, top three TV shows of all time. I'm saying. So, between the food and the wire, I'm like, that's it. That's it right there for me. And so, that's my, my Baltimore pride. So, for you, what was it like gr- growing up in Baltimore? Okay, growing up in Baltimore, I was, I'm the youngest of four. So, I did, and my siblings are like a, a decent amount older than I am. And right now that age gap is not significant. Like my oldest brother is eight Mm -hmm. years older than I am. So now that I'm an adult, I'm 32, he's 40, that gap is not that significant. But when you're younger, they were like off in college and high school. And I was like finishing elementary middle school. So I spent a lot of time entertaining myself alone. I felt like it's sometimes like an only child. Um, So I spent a lot of time entertaining myself. I did ballet for 10 years um mm. at a, yes at a ballet academy close to me in Baltimore I I mean most of the time I mean the biggest one of my best memories growing up though I mean not to take us back to the damn crabs but was my mom buying crabs on the side of the road or like live crabs mm. on the side of the road and we go home and steam them and that was like weekend tradition so these are things that stick out to me about being in Baltimore Um, And I'm from the county. So for anybody listening, you know, some people will get upset because they'll say you're I am from Baltimore County. I'm not from Baltimore City, but I it's my address had Baltimore in it. So I, I still count it. So like I'm not from like the home of the wire wire, but, you know, adjacent. Jason, we'll take
0: adjacent. it. And here's the thing about crabs. I think it's very relevant because seafood is bomb. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> seafood is just a gift to us all. So yes. you don't eat crabs anywhere besides in Maryland. So not even like in Boston, not in Massachusetts.
1: Absolutely not. No chance. Mm. Uh-uh. I, if it says on the menu and I'm in a, I'm not in Maryland and it says on the menu, Maryland style crab cakes. And I'm like, who said based on what? <laughs>
0: Okay. So you wanted to be an entertainer since you were young. So you yes. did ballet for 10 years. Okay. Yes. That's actually really fascinating as a, yes. as a point. Yes. What made you stop?
1: Okay. So I did ballet for 10 years and that was, it was so fun, but a couple of things. So I would, you know, after ballet, would be there for like four hours training and I would get, we would get these coupons in the mail from Burger King at my house. And I would they would be like, buy a Whopper, no, buy a Whopper value meal, get a Whopper free. And my ballet studio was right next to a Burger King. And so I would take the coupon after rehearsal, after training, and I would do, do all this physical labor and then immediately go to the Burger King drive through and buy myself a Whopper value meal and a free Whopper. And eat them in one sitting. And I realized I'm not taking this. I mean, I'm not committed to this ballet thing. I like food. Um, that was the first <laughs> moment. I was like, I'm not really committed to this enough. Um, I really like my food. I also would try to skip rehearsals. So you could only skip a number of rehearsals before you got to do the show at okay. the end of our season. And, um, I would skip as many as I could but but like while still making my, like without fucking up my eligibility. Um, mm. And so I was like, you don't want to do this. And the girls I danced with, they wanted to be dancers. Like they wanted to go to Juilliard. They wanted to go to Baltimore School for the Arts. They wanted to dance. And I was like, oh, I don't have, I don't feel that. Um, but I like this, but I don't like it that much. And I was like, I need to stop wasting my mom's money. I'm wasting this woman's money. Um, <laughs> and so I quit, I quit, I quit. Yeah, I quit, but it was, I was like 17 years old. Um, and I'd been doing it for 10 years and I'm like, that was a good, you know, we had a good run. We had a really good run. But you've wanted
0: to be an actor
1: since you were young. Yes, I did. So first I wanted to be a doctor because that's, I'm Nigerian, you're Nigerian, you know, that's mm-hmm, all you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. just be a doctor, Fact. be a doctor, or be a doctor. And so I was like, I want to be a doctor. And then when I started doing ballet, I really did fall in love with dance, um, at a point when I was younger. And I enjoyed doing the shows and I I don't know that I put this together till now that I'm an adult, like, oh, you liked performing. So the reason I bring up the like wanting to skip rehearsals, the number of rehearsals that would still make me eligible for the show is that I'm like, I'm making the connection now that I'm like, oh, you always enjoyed performing. That was your favorite part about doing ballet was the performance. I think when I was like 12 years old, I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. Um, but I, and so I wanted to be an actor and I would send my little black and white headshots to the Disney lot for all the way from Baltimore. Um, there's this movie, I think it was Anna Kendrick's first big movie and, and, and she wasn't the Anna Kendrick we know her to be now, but, um, it was called rocket science i believe and that shot in baltimore and i stood in line to be an extra in that like just wanted to get into this movie yeah i i always i knew from a young age that i wanted to act and i feel like it's such a gift too because then later in life i met people who i think in my early 20s i met i met people like my neighbor he was like i don't know what i want to do and he's like i really envy people who know what they want to do and in my mind at that time i'm like Yeah. I I bet most people would want to be an actor if they could. Right. And so to hear him say he didn't know, and we were living in Los Angeles, like he didn't know what he wanted to do. And he was about to go back to school and get a second bachelor's because of that. It made me all the more excited about my passion. Cause then I was like, Oh no, this is such a gift to know exactly what I want to do. Not everybody has that.
0: Yes. So then how did you proceed? Like when you went to college, what was your major?
1: Oh boy! So the Nigerian in full force mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I was a I was a biology major in college so here's the thing i've I've said this um I've said this publicly before, but my family uh wanted me to be a doctor because that's it's, and it's not specific to like oh ego we see ego as our little doctor it's just like you go to school, you become a doctor that's what school is for <laughs> right that's all exactly. school is for. So I made a deal. So I wanted to act, right? And they knew that. And so what I did was I applied to college in Los Angeles because I was like, I need to get where the acting happens. And so I applied to school in Los Angeles and I got in to my first choice and I told, and it was all the way across the country. We didn't know when my family didn't know anybody across the country. My family didn't know anybody beyond the East coast in within the United States. So I made a deal with my mom that I would study biology, be pre-med if I could go across the country for college to be in Los Angeles, the mm. land of film and TV. Um, mm-hmm. And so I studied biology and that was something else. <laughs> that, was, that was something else. So no, I took a theater class. my um, I took a theater class my sophomore year of college and quickly I, I didn't like it. Um, and so I did not continue in that i had this idea that i'd become a renaissance scholar at usc which is a real thing you have two majors if you're a double major and there the majors are like vastly different you are eligible to apply for a renaissance scholarship and so i was like i'll do that i'll do that but um i took that theater class and i was like this i don't like this class um so i you know you know i just committed to this biology degree because i also have an aversion to quitting which mm, yep. is not, I don't know how to feel about that. Cause like, I mean, it's good, but I'm like, it can also be bad because then you, you know, your version of quitting could lead you to get a biology degree. You don't want that.
0: Uh, part. <laughs> you know what? Let's talk more about that. The yeah. aversion to quitting. I think I have an aversion to quitting up until a certain point. Cause I definitely was, uh, I was psychology pre-med going into college and then okay. I got a D in chemistry and I instantly quit the pre-med. Uh-huh. I instantly was like, you know what? Uh-huh. Let's just kill the doctor dream that I've okay. had all these years. Yeah. I, I'm so glad I quit because I'm mm-hmm. like, I would have been the worst doctor in the history of life. I know. Well,
1: okay, wait. So what did your family have to say when you when you quit and you and you dropped the the pre-med part? I didn't tell them. That's what the Nigerian kids are out here doing. Yes. The parents need to know because no. I had a cousin, my cousin Joy, and I use cousin loosely because you know nigerians everybody's your cousin you're my cousin um but but joy she i was like i was young so i was like elementary or middle school but there was this whole problem that like joy has changed her major to creative writing she's no longer doing pre-med and it was like oh my goodness joy what are you doing what are you doing being a creative major creative writing major um and I just remember that from my youth of like, oh my goodness, she's, she's, oh my goodness, she's gone off the deep end. She's a creative writing major. And, yes. and, and, I, and it made me think like, oh, this is why a kid would not tell their parents or their family that they've changed. their marriage. And you don't have to. And that's the beauty of being eighteen. <laughs> yes. You don't have to tell them. I think they found, they found out at graduation. Listen. I was mm-hmm. like, there's
0: no pre-med uh graduation for y'all to go to because I dropped yeah. that four years ago. <laughs> I mean, I don't recommend that for everybody to do. Oh, right, but right. I was right. like, yo, I still got this degree in four years. Y'all are welcome. Yes. And, <laughs> you know what you I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this. So to your point, knowing when to quit can sometimes
1: be a gift. Yes, yes. That's true. And that's I mean, that's something in my, you know, I I in my adulthood. I'm like, yeah, that's great that you had an aversion to quitting, that you 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 completed this degree. Um, in about three years, I think I had like one bio course left by my senior year. And I, you know, it was like, uh, it wasn't particularly, it was like statistics or something. And I like math a lot. So it was, that was fun and fine. But um, I, as an adult, I'm like, oh no, it's good to know when to quit. Um, I do, it's good to be, it's good to be persistent. It's good to... Um, Yeah. Persevere in the face of adversity. However, it is also good and a gift and a skill and of note to know when to quit. Yes. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Yeah.
0: yeah. So what was your journey like between graduation and you ending up on
1: SNL? Oh my gosh. Okay. So let me think. So I get out of college. Um, I got a job pretty immediately. I think I was unemployed for like a week and a half because I just, I'm like, I am a workaholic. So I got a job immediately as a an assistant to a startup uh this woman who wanted to start this like business that was basically gonna be like Yelp for happy hours really great idea never quite came together but hmm. um I was an assistant to her and like helping her build out her website um and it was like a few of us there like a few girls up that did this and then I my senior year of college, I interned at a talent agency because I just wanted to see and learn, get closer to the business side of things. It's like a boutique talent agency. So I learned a little bit there, but I got a commercial agent pretty soon after. I used to just do a lot of research online, right? So I have no ties to this industry before. When I, at the point that I'm like wanting to be involved in it. I used to just read and read and read and read and research what I could online, and I would read people's like conversations and f- entertainment forums. And I mean, I was deep diving in this shit. So I, um, got a commercial agent cause I had read those are, you know, a little more easy to get or easier to get, um, than a theatrical, that's a TV and film agent. So I got a commercial agent and I, and that agent and I got a manager somehow. And so then I, um, they, they separately kept telling me to take improv classes but they had also told me to get headshots taken and like a lot of them. And I had to take a few rounds of headshots. Cause they're like, you look too young in these. Now you look too old. And now, you, <laughs> and now your hair looks like, and I'm like, this shit is not free. So right. <laughs> I'm like, now tell me, why don't you take the damn picture? Um, so I kind of got to the point where I was, uh, I, I was just like, look, this feels like busy work now. Like something that you would tell an up and coming actor to do, just to keep them busy and make perhaps you feel like you're up to something. And so I uh, was like, I'm I'm not taking an improv class. You're giving me busy work. You're giving me busy work. And so, no, let's. I, I'm not taking one. They're like, well, you know, casting directors like to see that on your resume. And I'm like, well, look, I'm not taking one. Um, I've taken my other acting classes. I'm in other acting classes. And so eventually, I think a third agent told me to take an improv class. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take this damn class. I'm gonna take the very first level and I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on the resume and everyone can shut the hell up about improv. Because this is like going on for like a year. So I take this improv class begrudgingly. And I and by the way, they tell me there's you can go to any of these four theaters. And I have a friend at the time who's really obsessed with comedy. And so I just hit her up and I go, which of the four theaters should I go to? They're saying I can go to any of them. I'm not as resourceful as I am and as much research as I like to do for myself. Um, I was like, I'm not looking into this because I clearly don't want to do it. I'm not pressed to do it. So I'm like, I just right. hit this girl up. And I'm like, which place should I go to? And she's like, go to UCB. And I was like, great. I'm going to go there. I'm going to take one level and everybody could shut up. I took 101 and I fell in love immediately. Yes. And, yes. and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. I love this more than any acting class I've taken. I love this more than... The theater class I took in, in college, I, I love this. And I just wanted to get better at it. So then that's, you know, I started doing that. And then I started doing sketch comedy um, and writing uh, as a result of all this. And I met people to collaborate with at UCB. And then uh, I wrote a one-woman show in 2017, my first ever, Great Black Women. And then there's me and got to do a bunch of characters in that. But then later I was invited to audition I mean in 2016 I was invited to audition for SNL and then I was invited again in 2018 and so and then I landed in at SNL (laughs) that's and with lots of yeah but I should also say that there's in between I try to tell people lots of heartache crying feeling discouraged feeling like maybe I should give this up I had wanted to live in New York this whole time too so as I'm going through all this I kept being like you know a lot of my friends moved who aren't in the industry at all moved to uh new york after college separately and in their own time and i was like i want to live in new york so badly i want to live there so badly and here i am doing this thing and it's even going to happen i feel like it's going to happen for me but who's to say because the odds are so slim but i i just feel if i work hard and and pursue it wholeheartedly it'll work out for me but i got to pay off my student loans that gate that was stressful to me i mean yeah that is a real struggle right there in itself. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to take care of my mom one day. And so I just, all that pressure on myself, some of it real, some of it just anxious thoughts was made the journey, uh, made the journey quite challenging. And so, cause I, I I would be remiss not to mention those things. Um, as I just described how I landed at SNL, because I'm like, well, you know, I just told you, uh, Nine-year story, in um, no, I think it's important for
0: people to know that they, you know, they see the SNL of it all,
1: right. and they're like, "Oh my God, that's such a
0: win!" Right? No, they don't realize that it's like a journey of a thousand steps.
1: Hmm. Hmm. And so, it it, I I tell people this too. I I did a Q and A at um, USC, which is my alma mater, and over the summer. So I think it was May as the season was winding down. Um, but I said. Everyone has to understand, I can, I'm happy to always share my journey with you, but like part of, um, part of your own success is going to be embracing like that your journey is going to be unique. And so I can tell you mine and you can be inspired by it and maybe gain from it what you can, but just know and embrace and expect that your journey will look different. Especially if you're trying to pursue this thing, because, uh, acting is, and and comedy and performing and writing, it's just such a nonlinear career. Um, so yeah, yeah.
0: That's real. So SNL, of course, gets a lot of criticism for its underrepresentation of Black women. Mm-hmm. Now that you've been promoted to one of the shows like Repertory Players, like how does that criticism affect you? Do you put more pressure on yourself? How do you show up?
1: Yeah, I mean, I find it an honor. I've said this a few times that I mean it deep down in my spirit and my bones. I find it such a damn honor to be the seventh black woman there, we said seven is the number of completion. But I, I, and you know, people ask me if it it feels like a lot of pressure, but I find it as opposed to a pressure, I find it to be an honor. And I, my hope is that the work I do there will make it easier for the black women who come after me on the show and make their time there better, more enjoyable, more fruitful. And that's, that's my hope. So that's, I mean, the, the criticism, I heard it before I got, got to the show and i understand it and i and so i I, the fact that i am there and i'm in the position that i'm in i take it really seriously even though we're talking comedy but i do take it really seriously and i find it to be like i kind of pursue it in a dutiful way and so because my hope is to really just uh make it a better experience for the black women who come out after me and make it uh and open, help open up the door, make it easier for them. I, I want to share the stage with black women there and Punky's there yes. now. And that's amazing. So that makes me really happy. Yeah. So that's how I, that's kind of how I approach it.
0: And what is the response that you get that heartens you? That makes you just go like, yes, I
1: picked this right move. I made this right move. Yeah, I feel like as the audience I think gets to hear my comedic voice more and see sketches that I've written for myself or sketches that I've written that resonate with people that look like me. I I get I just get I get excited cuz I'm like, okay. I um I have a seat at this table and at the seat at this table. I'm inviting other people to the table and that excites me. But yeah, to, to see people's response and their Embrace of me and the audiences' embrace of me makes me feel really excited and very hopeful for the future of the show.
0: I love that. I, I mean, honestly, every time I see you on screen, I'm like, yeah, it's like me. instant cheers. It's like, yes, I want to watch this sketch. Yes,
1: <laughs> thank you, lovey. Thank you. I mean, that's my hope. I'm like, I want, I want black women to see themselves on that show and see themselves as having a place on that show or in places where. Perhaps they haven't had the space to be themselves. Like, I want them to know that that's possible, whatever industry you're in. Um, and so this, whatever small part I can do to make that feel realer for uh, a Black woman, I, I would, I'm happy to do.
0: We're going to take a quick break before we hear more from Ego. Your outfit is about more than looking good. That's especially true of your shoes. Your footwear should be as unstoppable as you are, which is why Sorel Footwear has designed powerful shoes for those who get things done. From sneakers that move you around town to boots made for weathering any city storm or your next night out, Sorrel Footwear is made to power you forward. How do you plan on using your platform, even beyond the SNL-ness of it all, to amplify voices of people who you think are not heard enough?
1: Yeah, I, you know, my goal... Is to I eventually want to own my own uh, production company and be the head of this production company that sort of is just an umbrella company for marginalized people, people whose stories aren't as aren't so much in the forefront in television and film, and sort of support them in producing those things. That's my goal down down the line for myself. And right now I'm trying to take all the things I'm learning from being at SNL and you learn so much as a cast member there. If you want to, I think you learn so much you learn about producing, you learn about writing and collaborating. Um, You learn, I mean just the details of making something look good on screen. And so I want to take all of that, all the skills i garner here and and I want to soak up as much as I can so that down the line I can have this company where I create the support for people to tell their stories, people whose voices have not necessarily been the most heard in years past. So that's my, that's my big, big dream. I want to be the boss. (laughs) What do you think
0: is your audacious goal? Like the dream that you have for yourself that like
1: 24 year old, you would be like
0: mind blown.
1: Yeah. Oh man. I feel, okay. So this is a tough question for me because I feel like I can do anything I want to do. (laughs) Uh, that's Nigerian of me, very Nigerian of me. Um, I feel like that's ingrained in me as a young person. Um, and so I feel like I could do anything. I I, I'm honestly stunned. I don't think I had anticipated in any way or foreseen for myself that I would end up on SNL. So I still Mm. pinch myself about that. To be honest, I was like, I want to make a TV show that and I want to write a TV show that I get to star in and I get to tell my story and stories that uh, interest me and that's what I saw for myself and that's still that's still something I see for myself but I'm like I never imagined I'd be on Saturday night live like yeah I, that's incredible to me so I don't know so there's this like uh, Bible verse about God being able to do more than all we could ask or imagine. Yes. So I'm like, the way I think about it is like, I don't know all what I haven't imagined, what I can't imagine, something I can't imagine. <laughs> and so in my mind, I'm like, I want to win an Emmy. And I'm like, that's possible. If I work hard, that's possible. So I'm trying to think of like, what can I not imagine or foresee, but I don't know what I don't know. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I'm curious. That's a great question though. I mean, the sky, when the sky's the limit, you don't even know where to start. Yes, I know. I'm like, well, what would you mean? Like, you mean to tell me I could wake up and have crab cakes every day and cupcakes? And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, wake up in a, in a, with a hot swimming pool in the backyard in the jungle. I mean, I could, anything. I don't know. Yes. Anything's possible. So yeah, yes. I feel anything, anything is possible. I'm going to keep that mentality. So how do you overcome
0: the times when people have really told you no? or have stood oh as like obstacles
1: in your way. This is great. Um, I get, okay, so to be an actor, you are told no so mm-hmm. many times. Oh my gosh, I only know no. So how I handle it, it sort of became home to me. And that's not good necessarily, but it was. I saw that it had maybe became home, come, become home to me um, when I got SNL and i just kept yeah i got snl i had also gotten some other really wonderful job right before snl and like you know i had to make a choice and i and i'm here in, and at snl so i'll use this as the example but also i felt it with that other job i got right before but like someone had finally said yes to me and i was like they're going to call tomorrow and change their mind no no no, no. <laughs> i'm used to i'm used to no and the hustle and this like and of course it's a new hustle now right but i'm like but i'm used to this hustle I'm used to this hustle where people keep telling me no, and I just keep going and trucking along. So when someone finally said yes, I was like, can't be so. Really? Okay. Well, they're going to change their mind tomorrow, or, uh, or this is not real. Let me pinch myself. Um, so I had a grown really accustomed to no. And I feel like it's important to be okay with no's. And then, but I mean, don't make it your home because I, mm. I feel like I had maybe made it a home. I was really, really just, I think, in a state of disbelief. And in a way, in, I can only acknowledge in retrospect, by the way, like there's parts of it. I remember being like freaked out and like, they're going to change their mind. No way. Someone told me, no, is this really real? Excuse me. No way. Somebody told me, yes, is this really real? And I, I recognize that reaction. But then like, I don't know how much I I can't even quite assess just how much just how much that um that feeling carried with me for months and maybe years or what um and, and the ways it maybe manifested itself in, in time after I got the initial yes. So I can handle a no. I think that's what I'm like. And I think if you want to pursue acting, you better be able to handle the no. But yeah, it's like also when somebody says yes to you, celebrate that. And yes, that's the, the yes is also real, just as real as the no. And I just, I love that piece of don't make a home in the no. Ooh, yeah. come, that's a, <laughs> that is a gem. That's a gem. Oh, thank you. I really, I mean, I just, I, I, if I I was kind of in awe of myself for somebody who works so hard and believes that she can accomplish whatever she wants to, and. I can't tell you. And what timing that will happen? I don't know. Um, I now know. I have friends who got their first big acting job three years into working at it, and it was nine for me. But I feel like, yeah, I I found, I'm like, I got so accustomed to it. I'm so surprised to see how accustomed I was to just hearing no. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." I I was like getting to be in this place where I'm like, yeah, it's just no. And I live at no, that's my address is them telling me no. Um, So yeah, I wouldn't, if I could go back I would, as I'm pursuing things and confident that I'm going to achieve all my goals, know for myself, K-N-O-W for myself, Mm. that at some point it's going to become, be a yes. And when it is that yes, really relish in that and acknowledge for yourself that that's really real and damn it, you earned it.
0: Facts. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Facts. Don't let the imposter syndrome convince you otherwise.
1: Girl. (laughs) Girl. Yeah. I think at a moment of imposter syndrome, like at work, early of my first season maybe let's say like the second episode I'm like at 30 rock I'm in my office and we share office space before COVID and I share with this really incredible writer Allison Gates she came she started the same year I did same day I did and I was sitting at my desk and I had a moment where I'm like they about to find me out I don't know what I'm doing but I do know what I'm doing but, I, but like I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> there I had a lot to learn but I'm like they know why they hired me I, I did the audition nobody like there was no like nepotism popping. Like I earned it, you know, uh, it took me quite a lot of time and I home my comedic voice, but I was like, they're going to find me out. They're going to find me out. They're going to find out that I, <laughs> I, they're going to find out that like, yes, I'm an academic. I should probably just, I should go be a doctor. <laughs> and, but I quickly snapped out of that because I, I tried, I I'm pretty good at talking myself off any cliffs and like getting my mind back, right. And coaching myself to a better place. And so very quickly I was like, Hey, go stop it because this is a slippery slope it's going to inform how you work over the course of the next couple of months and this is not what you want to be the backdrop for that so no they know what they were doing when they hired you and the people came before you could do this job so can you Um, absolutely and so i i i snapped out of it but yeah there's this i i read um i think it's james allen as a man thinketh. There is a new rendition as a woman thinketh, but I read as a man thinketh. And one of the quotes, I was just thinking about it today, uh, is the um body is the servant of the mind and not the other way around. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, Yeah, I get to tell my head what it's gonna do. <laughs> and I'm gonna yes. t- I'm gonna tell you we're not doing imposter syndrome over here. I was like, Snap out of it, bitch. So yeah. I was like, you got to get out of here and enjoy and be present and and do what you know you can do. And the rest, you'll sort it out and you'll learn. It's okay to be learning. Absolutely. Yeah. You
0: got to constantly be learning to grow. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So
0: right now, after the week that the entire country has had, mm-hmm. like I feel like we were all just sitting in anxiety. I mean, not just for the last week, for a lot of us, the last four years. And then the day that the election was called, happened to be a Saturday and y'all had to shoot SNL. How was that?
1: When you say that, lovey, you know how to present a story. Okay. I mean, (laughs) I just, oh my gosh, I, uh, I didn't, you know, I am a spiritual person. And so I was trying to do a lot of, you know, mental and spiritual gymnastics to be like, you need to have peace. You need to have peace. It's it is well, um, and I I think all that week, right? And I and I was trying to be calm, and I'm like, it's okay, everything's gonna be all right. And I was praying for the outcome that we got, but at a certain point, I didn't realize just how anxious I was. Is what I'm trying to get at, and and like, but I was anxious, and that the feeling I had that week, and I kept trying to deny it and ignore it and pretend that I'm not experiencing anxiety concerning around the election. And and that I could silence that. But I was like, I am anxious. And so Saturday we had work. We did a six-week run thanks to the pandemic. That's unprecedented. I know that's a word that gets thrown around a lot right now. We are in unprecedented times. But because of the pandemic, we did six episodes in a row as opposed to at max. The max they've ever done was four in a row. Oh, wow. And and that was also a moment where people were like, oh, God, we're doing four in a row. This is crazy. I think that was like two years ago. And it was – so I – can't remember why they had an, it was before I got there. So maybe three years ago. So, um, I can't remember why they had, but I remember seeing that on the schedule. Like one of the old schedules was laying around in someone's office, my first season, maybe in Chris Red's office. And I was like, y'all did four episodes in a row once. Hell no, hell no. So, we're doing six or we, we, we uh, yeah, we did six. Normally it's like three maximum and then we take some time off, but anyway, doing six. So all I'm thinking on Saturday is like, Oh my gosh, God, get me through this sixth episode. Cause I'm really exhausted. I'm mentally tired. There's a reason they, we only do three maximum um, cause we all need that break mentally and physically. And so I'm like, Lord, get me through today. And I'm kind of feeling like dry about the whole thing and just like, okay. In my mind, we're not going to find out about the election until like, Monday or at best or Tuesday I think I left work on Friday night saying to Chris what are they still counting like with an (laughs) attitude with a whole attitude (laughs) and like um I was like we're not finding out till Monday so then like to find out on Saturday I was braiding my mom's hair before work she was here (laughs) she was here I was braiding this woman's hair and I had my phone down for like two hours while I was doing that and then I was like I need to take a shower for work and I'm gonna leave and then um, I look at my phone before I hop in the shower and my, um, on this text thread. And two of the girls were like, "One somebody said, yay. And the other person said, phone banking works. And I was like, what does this mean? And I Googled election results as I had been all week refreshing. And I, I Googled and I freaked out. Mm. <laughs> and then I was like, ah, and there was just like a weight off of my shoulders. I didn't even quite recognize was there. Yeah. Came out and I told my mom I started dancing. It was a really beautiful day in New York too, like un unusually warm. It was like it's November. It was like seventy. 70- four degrees or something it was pretty warm sunny it was warm in a lot of
0: places chicago yeah. was also warm
1: yes yes and then i heard la was cold though but yeah which is strange but it was so warm my best friend is in chicago so she i actually got on the phone with her like 10 minutes later and she was like it's beautiful here and i'm walking around aimlessly i don't even know what i'm doing i'm just i'm <laughs> so happy and so i was you, i was so happy and then to think we got to go do the show that night so i'm getting in the shower and what was gonna, normally going to be like a okay lord get me through this I was in the shower and I was just like rejoicing and I started crying happy tears. I, I uh, there was a pep in my step going to work. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I get to see my coworkers. We get to do this. The timing couldn't be better. I just, it, it felt so good. And, and it's like, um, it felt like a little reward too for us. And, I, and you know, everyone's going to personalize the story in their own way. And, but like, it felt like a little reward to us to get to do a show and feel like we completed our run. Cause I think what I I can't speak for Lauren, but I imagine he felt some duty to be as as this institution to be present for the election through the election season. And so that's why we came back and that's why we came back with as many episodes as we had. And that's why we were doing a sixth one after the election and then taking a break, but you know, we weren't necessarily going to have the results, but then to get that gift, it felt, uh, it was like, like a job well done. Here's the answer. Here's the result. You guys get to kind of close this chapter in this way. The It just, I don't know, it felt like such a gift. And the timing was impeccable. And I was so excited to go to work. And I feel like everyone at work was so energized and happy. And there were lots of hugs. And there was just so much joy. Man,
0: it was a good time. It seemed like watching the show on Saturday. It just, it definitely felt celebratory.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Y'all it was.
1: Lit. Yes, thank you. Lit. It was so fun and it was, and we are so, we were so tired, you know? And so to get that like boost, that beautiful boost, I really am grateful for it. And it was, I feel so special to be there. And like Chappelle is one of my favorites, if not my favorite comedian. And so to have him there too, I, I just, it was a real great day. That was a beautiful day.
0: I mean, what, I think comedy in these moments is really significant for you. What does it affirm like Saturday? what your job means to everybody.
1: I mean, it just, so that week our table read happens on a Wednesday and normally we get to hear a rough draft. I mean, or sometimes not even that rough, uh, but a rough draft of the host's monologue and we didn't hear Chappelle's monologue at the table read, but what he did do, he said to Lauren, can I say something? And Lauren says, go ahead as we're about to start reading the sketches. And he gave us this really empowering speech and told us just how important it is what we do on the show here um, and how we are such an important voice in comedy and one of the, if not the most important voice in comedy and kind of the, one of the most important voices, the show itself out there right now, full stop, comedy or not. And so it made, it it put into perspective how significant it, it is, what we do. And um, it feels yeah and just the fact that we came back it was it felt like reporting for duty because we still are in a pandemic, and we got tested every day. We got tested every single day,, <laughs> get a little cotton swab up your nose, and that's a gift that we were able to do that. but it felt like reporting for duty, and that people people need joy regardless of what's happening in the world. I mean it's the reason we did those at home episodes. It felt like also reporting for duty, like that right now things are sort of bleak and and sad and challenging and you know, when we were at home and everyone's on lockdown, it was like, well, we can inject some sense of normalcy. We have the ability to do that mm-hmm. um, and 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 be and bring joy to people. And those at-home episodes, I'm going to tell you right now, I live in a studio by myself in Midtown and, and was fairly new to New York. I feel like after that, that stay-at-home stuff I'm like nah I'm a New Yorker now but (laughs) I feel like I feel that was not easy for me to do it was actually very challenging in the little space I had setting up sets and having long shoot days and I don't say that to elicit any sympathy but it was like I did it because this is my job but I but also it felt that's uh I'm not so motivated by money often so I'm like Mm -hmm. I, I did it because it um it did feel important. And after our first at home episode and seeing people be like, thank you so much. I needed that. Thanks. Like, I know you guys are trying your best with these at home ones. So thank you for showing up for us. Um, and it's important for me to show up for people in my personal life. So it's cool that I get to do it in my professional life as well. Um, so yeah, it just, it, it, that Saturday just felt like so beautiful and complete in a way. And I think it's so important and, and special that what we do and that we get to, you know, disarm people with our comedy and inject joy into otherwise hard and dark times. We are like a little light that comes on and that feels good.
0: Agree. Y'all are. <laughs> Thank you. So now it's time for our signature segment called follow my lead. Okay. So this is something we do with every guest. I'll lead and give you three sentences and you just have to complete them.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm scared. Bad. It's
0: not bad. It's not bad. Okay. okay. First one. First one. I feel my strongest when
1: I feel my strongest when I have made time for prayer and meditation and am mentally clear. Did I do that right? You absolutely did. Okay. 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 Good. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Look at me, the academic is like. Did I get? Did I? Did I? Did I answer the question correctly? <laughs> okay. I'm like nailed it. Okay. Um, I want to step up when. I want to step up when I see somebody in need and I have something that could make them feel supported.
0: Mm. Yes. Mhm. Mhm. Okay,
1: okay. Last one. When I feel like I can't, I when I feel like I can't, I remind myself that anything is possible with God. Mm,
0: yeah. Yes. Come through. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm here for that. Yeah. So I have a couple of yeah. last
1: questions. Okay. Okay. What do you think makes you unstoppable? What makes me unstoppable is my belief in myself, and the and and just the fact that I I don't limit myself with my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's important. Mm-hmm. And finally, like, what advice would you give to those? who want to take a step forward for their communities?
1: Oh boy. Uh, The advice I give to people that want to take a step forward for their communities is to just do it. (laughs) Um, Do it, do it. I mean, yeah, I would say everything worthwhile in life is challenging to some extent, and you will only be so proud of yourself for trying Um, that is a sign of life to me that you try, that you try new things and that you don't, you are not held back by your own limiting views. And so just do it, do it, do what you can with what you have. There we go. That's a long answer, but do what you can with what you have.
0: And it's a good answer. It is a dope answer. Thank Thank you you so so much (laughs) for your gift, for making the world smile. And and comedy is especially important in the dumpster fire that we find ourselves. So Mm -hmm. you are gifting us with laughter, which we need more than ever. Thank you Thank so much. You. Thank you. Thank you for having me today, Lovey. Thank you for listening to The Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to Sorrel, making powerful footwear for powerful people. You can find The Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com or wherever you get your podcast. This is actually our last episode in this season of The Step And it's been amazing to talk with incredible women who are taking the step forward for their communities. Now it's time for you to do the same. See you soon.